Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia, and I've been on a ketogenic diet for three years. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've also lost about 80 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully, that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? No way, man! (laughs) We have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them. We hope to share some of that research. Uh, Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. We love to cook and we love to eat. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored. No, it cannot. (laughs) All right, so let's start podcast number 70, the 30-Day Steak Challenge. So, Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week? So, last week was Show Me the Science. Mm. Uh, I guess I want to apologize for going on and being a bit boring. No. <laughs> this, yeah, well, <laughs> this time we've got some guests so uh, and we've got some girls joining the show, so, uh, yeah. so more voices. So, there'll be less of Richard. Let me tell you, I thought that episode was awesome and I really enjoyed your deep dive. Not only that, but we came up with a blog post at science.2keto.com, which I think is a really great collection of science in an easy-to-understand manner that you can send to anybody, your doctor, people who are curious, people who don't really trust the whole fat thing, yeah. all of it. It's just a big pile of awesome science. Yeah, so. that was the goal. And besides, Matt said that he liked to hear us uh, just chatting away instead of having guests, so we thought, mm-hmm. oh, we'll, do, we'll just have a show with just us for once. Yep. Well, let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is, Richard. Sure. A ketogenic diet is a minimum amount of carbohydrates every day. Try and keep it under 20 grams. Uh, you want to get enough protein to be able to maintain your lean body mass. And for us, that's between one and one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass. Mm. Uh, if you don't know what your lean body mass is, you can guesstimate roughly three quarters of your body weight. Uh, for most people, if you have uh, 25% body fat, it'll be spot on. Uh, mm. But either way, it's going to be pretty close. Uh, between one and one and a half grams per kilogram of, of, uh, of lean body weight or three quarters of your regular body weight. Right. And then we get all of our energy from fat. 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 <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's Either it. the fat on your plate or the fat on your body. Yep. Well, how was your week, man? Uh, Loaded question. Yeah. yeah, I know. I, we put Black Dog down on uh, Friday, uh. Uh, and uh, well, he had a good death, and he, he had a better death than either you or I will probably have. And uh, he had a long life uh, too, right? He had a, he had a long, awesome life. He uh, we adopted him when we were living in Las Vegas. Mm. Uh, I think I mentioned before we got him uh, partly to 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 as a therapy to 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 stop obsessing about um, the things we'd seen and heard and smelled in September 11. Mm. Um, but And so partly uh, he was a therapy dog, but he was also my first ever dog. Yeah. And uh, so we rescued him. He was uh, – I remember the day that we got him, we were at, at, a, at a pet store and outside the pet store there was a no-kill shelter who had several bins of dogs that they were trying to adopt out. And we saw a chocolate Labrador, and Julie had always wanted a chocolate lab, and uh, and it just didn't warm to us at all. And we were walking up this uh, aisle of basically cages of dogs, and right at the end there was a three-legged dog and a dog, a black and white dog, turned out to be a black dog, mm. who uh, looked it looked like he had a problem with his pelvis. Anyway, mm. 
we got him out, and, and to me, he looked like an Australian cattle dog. And it turned out when we got back to Australia, uh, we got his DNA tested, and it turns out he's three quarters Australian cattle wow. dog. So it was probably appropriate for him to make his way back to Australia at some Kindred point. Kindred spirits. That's it. But uh, I mean, he that first day, I said to the people who were running the adoptions, that dog looks like he's got a problem with his leg. It turns out he had a broken hip and he'd had it for five hmm. months in the cage with a broken hip with a three-legged dog and nobody interested in either of the two dogs. Anyway, we uh, uh, paid for him to have an operation. Uh, we got – it's an operation called a girdle stone, which basically turns the ball and socket joint of a dog's hip into a little bit like an elbow joint. It's like a, mm. like a, a 2D – um, elbow joint wow. and uh, he's had that he had that for 15 years um, and uh, he had a pretty much a full life when we came back to Australia we went around Australia in a Winnebago so mm. that dog has probably the greatest territory of just about any <laughs> dog uh, any member of his species so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know we finally uh, settled down in in uh, Batemans Bay for 10 years and then moved up to Canberra mm. uh, about two years ago and uh yeah, he he was a pretty big part of our life. So uh, mm. it's yeah, it's it's a pretty shitty thing to do, but it's a good death. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I I kind of hope that uh, one day I could go just as easily. Yeah, did you and Julie in in indulge in keto comfort foods, which is usually uh, what happens in a traumatic thing? I actually lost my appetite, and really? I just I, I'm not I'm not eating much at all. So, mm. um, you know, these things happen. But yeah. um, we we went for a ride. Um, we've actually been riding quite a lot every day and had no appetite. So we'll probably both lose a lot of weight. I've developed some kind of, my, my leg that, uh, had the knee issues has developed a bit of a hip issue. It's basically the other attachment point for the same muscle, hmm. sort of up on the hip. And so, um, it looks like I'm going to have to reduce the exercise that I'm doing prior to Keto Fest. Otherwise, I'm going to end up going to Keto Fest with a, with a dodgy leg the same way uh. I went to Breckenridge. <laughs> so anyway, well, that happens. So how was your week? My week was really good. Um, I went up to Toronto to intensive dietary management to meet with Jason Fung and Megan Ramos and their whole team nice. to see if I could uh, help out a little bit with mm. some of their uh, things, websites and applications and and all that stuff. We're we're in sort of help mode here at Two Keto Dudes. Right. We're 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 yeah. reaching out to to people to see if they they need help getting their message out and. And, uh, and it turns out they do. So mm. we're going to be doing some help with them. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I, I had a good week keto-wise. Um, I didn't gain nor lose any weight, and I had a, a good good week. Um, the band played last night at uh, a blues festival. I heard they were awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was the first New London blues festival. So it was nice. a, a huge success for the town. It, it sounded like and felt like New Orleans down here. Wow. Just a band in every bar all night mm -hmm. long, all weekend long. And we, uh, the Franklin Brothers Band, closed down the outdoor park uh, from 9 to 11 last night, and we just killed it. It was great. Nice. And you're getting ready to go to a conference now in Norway, right? Yep. A developer conference in Norway. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I might be fasting a lot there. The food is... Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is, right? Yeah. But, all right, well, I guess that brings us to the little segment we call... Mail! Mail! <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to go first. This was uh, a message in the forum from uh, in the Show Me the Science section, which I always like, and this okay. is from Mike Glassbrenner, and he posted a link to an article... New study identifies sugar replacement sweetener as a biomarker for weight gain. Wow. And this is in news-medical.net and News Medical Life Sciences. And essentially, they fingered especially erythritol. And I always found it weird that, that you know, they, people lump artificial sweeteners in the same um, boat, right? And say artificial right. sweeteners can be insulinogenic and all that stuff. So it's nice mm. to see one study focusing on one sweetener. Right. So let me just read quickly. The study led by Cornell University researchers in the Division of Nutritional Sciences and researchers at Braunschweig University of Technology, Germany, and the University of Luxembourg, 
in Luxembourg, published this month in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. It was conducted as a discovery-based analysis to identify metabolomic markers associated with weight gain and increase in fat mass in young adults during the transition to college life. Interesting. Mm. That's the freshman 25, right? Yeah. 15. I forget which. Researchers found that students who gained weight and abdominal fat over the course of the year had 15-fold higher blood erythritol at the start of the year compared with their counterparts who were stable or lost weight and fat mass over the academic year. You can go ahead and read it, and we have a nice discussion happening about it on the forum. Of mm. course, I'm not going to come out and say this or that. I'm, I'm still reading the study. But it, it is interesting to me that one study focused on one sweetener rather than lumping yeah. them all together. I know uh, a lot of studies have uh, found an association between people who eat artificial sweeteners and then subsequently gain weight. Mm. And one thing that could actually uh, explain that is that people who know they have a problem with gaining weight mm. are likely to choose artificial sweeteners. But that doesn't change the amount of uh, energy that they're taking in because their problem is they've got a high starch diet or a high yeah. glucose, high high starch diet, yeah. uh, and they are particularly insulin resistant. So, so they gain weight anyway. And this is and the thing from the abstract, Richard, that it right. says endogenous production of erythritol from glucose may contribute to the association between erythritol and obesity observed in young adults. In other words, they're saying that our bodies naturally produce erythritol from glucose and that erythritol is high. Yeah, I I know that we make sorbitol. We make sorbitol and fructose from glucose. Uh, This is the polyol pathway. So so sorbitol is a commonly known artificial sweetener, but I I didn't know we, we made erythritol. That is fascinating. Hmm, it is fascinating. And apparently there's a paywall. I'm not sure about that, but uh, but it is an interesting discussion, and we hope you uh, go and check it out on the ketogenic forums at ketogenicforums.com. So, I'm, so I found a post also on the ketogenic forums. This is from Andrea, and uh, she says, I am so frustrated. This is the name of the, mm. of the post. And she says, you know, guys, I know that, uh, keep calm keto on is the answer, but I'm insanely frustrated. I started keto three months ago and I've not lost a single pound. Oh. I think I'm actually up uh, one or two pounds, um, nor do my clothes fit any looser. In fact, some of them fit tighter. Am I fat adapted? Yeah, I, I st- feel that I strongly am based on my workouts yeah. and not having to fuel on my bike. Uh, I'm also monitoring ketones, some day via blood, some day via cheap breath analyzers, and I'm generally between 0.6 and 0.8, uh, which is awesome. Uh, I wish I could be that high. Yeah. I'm between 0.3 and 0.8. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so she says, I get up higher ketones, one and a half to two and a half if I do extended fast or long strenuous endurance rides. I'm the same. I, my ketones will get up over two if I fast for three or four days mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and exercise. Uh, she says, since starting ketone, uh, things have been a bit of a calamity for me. Comedy varies, if you will. Two weeks in, I burned myself with near-boiling water and got severe second-degree burns, which took three weeks to heal. Ouch. Um, yeah. So, uh, and so, so that would have impacted her time at the gym as well. And four weeks after that, she was traveling out of state and caught a really bad cold. And then two days after that, she had to go to a, uh, get an emergency root canal. Uh, ouch. She's just yeah. not having a good time. I, I don't think any of it's uh, directly related to keto, but uh, it's certainly a whole bunch of things all happen mm. at the same time. And stress mm. does uh, cause you to make uh, fight or flight hormones, and they cause you to make glucose. So, right. um, you know that uh, that makes it more difficult to be in ketosis. Uh, but she says she's uh, frustrated because she's not experiencing all these great side effects that everyone talks about. Uh, she's always had great consistent energy throughout the day before keto, and she hasn't noticed anything different. Um, so she's basically saying that uh, she she thinks she's doing everything right, but but she's just not losing weight. Now I happen to know that Andrea is is quite lean, so she's um, she doesn't have a lot of weight to lose. One of the things that we see a lot is somebody who is metabolically deranged is normally carrying you know an extra eighty pounds or so, and when right. they go ketogenic, it all flies off. And the reason why is because uh, as soon as they drop insulin, they open up the uh, the floodgates for their cells to, to use fat for energy and they can basically draw down a lot of body fat very quickly. 
um, until the body fat becomes healthy in response to insulin and then you know they, their, their weight loss will store but generally right. they'll have lost 70 or 80 pounds at that point which yep. is awesome i mean and that's you know, what happens. happened to just about everybody um it's harder if you don't if you're not coming in and you're deranged so mm. so it's going to be more of a steady state for you you're going to be coming in and you're going to be slowly bending the needle and slowly improving quality rather than somebody who is you know 80 pounds overweight sure. they're going to start a ketogenic diet and all all kinds of things are going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, somebody made the comment, uh, maybe you're eating too much fat. You may be getting enough where your body doesn't feel motivated to burn what's on your body. If you're fat adapted, then you should try dialing it back. That's what we were told, you know, by by the conventional wisdom. Uh, that is, and that's what I've been told by doctors. It, it, that is really a uh, a standard calories in, calories out model way of looking at it because, you know, uh, the amount of calories that you – eat uh, minus the amount of calories that you burn will equal the amount of calories that you store. Mm. Well, you know that's not true. Well, I mean, it, it's backwards. Right. The, the, you know, the, the amount of calories that you burn uh, is based on the amount of calories that you eat minus the amount of calories that you're storing. So, you know, it, 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 it's, being driven <laughs> by, it's being driven by hormones that are saying we need to store this amount of, of uh, uh, energy. Yeah, and we know that how fast or how much you burn is dependent on what you eat and what you don't eat. So, and this person mentioned that uh, Richard did a calculator that you can plug in your numbers and you'll see that you can get nearly all of your energy requirements from body fat. Even with increased activity, you shouldn't need much dietary fat. Yeah. So this is the theory that of fat being a lever. If you reduce the amount of fat that, you, that you're eating, then your body should utilize body fat for energy. right. right. Okay, so that calculator of mine assumes that you can use all of the body fat that you have, and it gives you a number of calories that the body fat can release every day. Yeah. If for any reason your body fat can't release energy, then that would uh, additionally restrict the amount of energy that your body fat can contribute to your daily energy expenditure. Mm. So, for example, if you have more than about 13 uh, milli IU of, uh, per litre of insulin at any point during the day, then your body fat is not contributing to energy. And I, I show a chart. Uh, I've used quite a lot. It's basically a, a fat breakdown or lipolysis as a function of insulin. Hmm. And basically, when your insulin goes over about thirteen milli IU per liter, then you can't release any more energy from body fat. Hmm. As your insulin goes low, then all of a sudden you can go up to one hundred percent of of release of a potential release of uh, of energy from body fat. Right. So. Insulin is really the lever. Insulin is basically what dictates whether your body is going to be running on fat, running on fat for energy, or it's going to be running on glucose for energy. Yeah. So, uh, so the question really is, if my insulin is too high, then that's going to be stopping my body fat from releasing energy. So what makes insulin go up? Well, right. we know eating carbohydrates does. Yeah. Um, and that's why we, that's why a ketogenic diet is a low carbohydrate diet. And also stress and lack of sleep. Absolutely. Um, uh, we could, another one, for example, is eating protein. Protein hmm. affects insulin about 50% of the amount that, uh, carbohydrates do. Right. Uh, another example is making enough glucose to keep your brain alive, which you kind of have to do. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> that, that making that glucose will make insulin, make you make insulin. Um, and, uh, stretching your stomach. If you eat a, a mouthful of gravel, you know, if you <laughs> fill your stomach with gravel, you're going to make insulin because you, as soon as your stomach stretches, then huh. your, yeah, your pancreas, uh, gets a message to say, create some insulin because we've got stuff coming through. I knew I shouldn't have eaten that driveway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what really makes it go up is being insulin resistant and doing any of those things. Right. Because, being insulin resistant means you have to make a lot more insulin for a lot longer than uh, for any discrete stimulus. Yeah. And there was a meme running around the internet, uh, protein is the, isn't the problem. Uh, mm. And this meme basically gave an example of how much insulin somebody who is type 1 diabetic has to take based on uh the things that they eat in their diet and, and facts about them. And, and for example, uh, you, if you ate a 25 ounce steak, you need about 10 units of insulin. If you mm. ate a 12 ounce soda, you need about seven units of insulin. Mm. If you ate a hundred grams of pasta, you need about 10 units of insulin. Mm. If you have one Starbucks cookie, you need about eight units. Huh. And your basal level of insulin, if you're not insulin resistant, is about 20 units. Mm. Okay. So 10, 10, 7, 20. 
fairly small amounts. But here's the kicker. If you are insulin resistant, then the base amount of insulin that you make every day is about 75 units. Wow. So it's an order of magnitude over all of these other stimuluses. Wow. And of course, because somebody who's insulin resistant makes more insulin for longer, mm. um, all of these other stimulants are also going to be hyped up a significant amount for somebody who's insulin yep, resistant. I get it. So the question for somebody who is insulin resistant should be, how do I lower my basal insulin so I can access body fat? Right. If I can get that basal insulin down, then my body fat will be able to release energy, I'll be able to use it, mm. and I'll be able to get slimmer. Right. Um, if I keep my insulin high, um, then I'm not going to be able to access body fat. I will be hungry all the time, mm. and if I don't eat food, I will be lethargic all the time. My body yep. will be making cost-cutting measures to be able and to- we all um, know what that feels like. We all know that lethargy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's 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 really two ways to, to to lower your basal insulin. There's an acute method, and that's really extended fasting. So for me, for example, if I fast longer than about 36 hours, all of a sudden I experience a rush of energy yep. as my insulin finally drops low enough to be able to enable me to access body fat yeah. for energy. Best feeling in the world. That's the best feeling in the world. For me, mm. it's party time until I stop the fast. And probably about a few hours after breaking the fast, then I go back to mm-hmm. my normal mode of making no ketones and being hungry when I don't eat sufficient fat mm. to fuel my day. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously fasting really isn't a long-term strategy, but it's an acute strategy that basically shows you the metabolic window of being almost normal. And during that time, when I fast for like three three to five days, I can do prodigious amounts of exercise, uh, yeah. fasted exercise. And exercise and, is know. another acute way to lower insulin, isn't it? I mean, and Absolutely. it's harder for somebody who is overweight, you know, physically to move so much. But fasting right. gives you the benefit of exercise without having to move. And then you're going to naturally want to move that, you know, as you get fasted, your energy is going to surge. You're going to want to go run down a woolly mammoth, you know? That's what they say. People spontaneously exercise once their insulin drops enough to release energy then they spontaneously exercise yeah, if you keep great. insulin up high they spend their whole day lethargic and hungry you yeah know? exactly um, there is actually a chronic solution to lowering basal insulin though that's really time yeah time with a low carb state right yeah we become insulin resistant over time exposed to high levels of insulin so yeah. the longer we can function producing the least amount of insulin that we can the more sensitive that we become right and the less we need to produce in response to our basal glucose levels that we still we must make to keep our brains alive yeah so so this really this is what the ketogenic diet is it involves yeah. eating as little carbohydrate as you can the minimum amount of protein necessary to support your normal lean mass maintenance right and for me once a week I like depleting my muscle glycogen, which gives my body a sink into which to pour insulin. So that gives me, if I go out and ride for three hours and I just totally deplete the energy uh, stores in my muscles, Mm. then I'm going to be drawing down insulin for the next three, four, five hours, which is an awesome way to, to, to even lower the amount. And you deplete your glycogen by fasting as well, fasting and exercise. You, yes, you, that's your liver glycogen, but the muscle glycogen, the only way you can deplete it is by using the muscles. Oh, no kidding. Well, yeah. this is a- So you've got two sources. And you can't, the other thing is you can't, once that sugar goes into a muscle to be stored as glycogen, it can't come back out. We don't have the enzymes necessary oh. to be able to get it out. So it stays in there permanently. So that's why, you know, going out for a three hour ride for me is a really good way of just burning through all of that stored glucose wow. and giving my body an excuse to be able to use some of that insulin that's sloshing around in my body. Wow, that's great to know, Richard. I, I didn't realize that there, that there were two different... I mean, I knew there was liver glycogen and muscle glycogen, but I had it in my head that fasting and exercise depleted both. But this is a really good to know. Yeah, the, the fasting depletes the liver glycogen, and that's really your backup source of energy for the brain. Yeah. Liver glycogen is meant to be able to keep your brain alive in between meals. Right. So that's its main primary job. So. But certainly there's more of it in your muscles. Yeah. There is. There is. I've got charts that show my fasting insulin over the past year, and you can actually see that my – for the past – when I started this, I was uh, – I guess this is April last year, so I would have been uh, two years into a ketogenic diet. And by the time I finished uh, in February this year, I was three years into a ketogenic diet. And my f- 
my fasted insulin went from 29.3 down to 13.7. So, you know, that's it. It's just time. So yeah. that's the thing. Now, Andrea, that may not be the problem for Andrea, but this is the ba- this is the reason why um, saying that somebody should just use the the energy that they've got on their body fat mm. isn't always the answer. Because if they're producing too much insulin, then they have the same amount of access to body fat energy as somebody who has zero mm. body fat. Mm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's the that's the, the the basis for why insulin really is the lever. All right. Well, that was great explanation. Thank you, Richard. I got into science again. I'm sorry about no, that. No, no, it's big... great. Why are you apologizing for being awesome? Don't do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's time to announce the winner of a coveted two keto dudes coffee mug for being a member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And guess what? How do you do that? You go to fanclub.twoketo.com. You answer a few questions. And just by doing that, your name could be picked from a hat every show to win a coffee mug. And today's winner is Andy Stockwell. Congratulations, Andy. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be sending Andy a mug. And yeah, just go go join the fan club. Just be a fan and, uh, and you might win something. Mm, nice. Yeah. All right, let's get to the meat of this episode, which is <laughs> Brendan and Donna's 30-Day Steak Challenge. Welcome back to the show, Brenda Zorn and Donna Lordy. Hello, ladies. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Carl. Brenda is on the phone. That's another story why she's on the phone, but hi, Donna. Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me back. Meep, meep, meep. So, this started, you guys, in February, right? You, I think it started with you, Donna. You wanted to do an experiment by eating nothing but steak for 30 days. So, I, I wish it was that noble, uh, Carl. So, Brenda and I were talking late at night, which always results in disaster. But anyway, um, I was like, we were getting tired. A lot of people are like, you can't eat just meat, blah, blah, blah. Steaks on- I had had an experience in the grocery store where I was buying steak, and I, I, I'm still overweight. I've, I've lost... As of this week, actually, 459 pounds. What? Wow. Yeah. Um, So, I was buying just steak, you know, because I was, was, it was one of my zero carb weeks and someone came up to me in the grocery store. Oh, no way. I'm sure Brenda remembers this because I complained about it. And they're like, you know, that's why you're fat. You're buying meat. Well, their cart was full of like Twix and crappy cereal. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Also, they were fat, but I'm not bitter. But anyhow, (laughs) so I said to Brenda, we should just be assholes and do a 30-day steak challenge where you eat nothing but steak. Um, You know, because why not? Yeah. Because you can't. Also, you know, the, the science-wise, it, it, it does make sense, too. I mean, you know, steak has a, is a wide variety of cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the downfalls is there's no organ meat. So, you could – some people would make the argument that's healthier. Yeah. With air quote. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see them, but I'm I, I make that argument, but go ahead. I, I mean, I think long-term, that's correct. But I was also – so, many years ago in the zero-car movement, there was one guy, uh, and I actually thought of Dave when uh, this happened uh, – in the conversation before the podcast where he wanted to see if he could gain weight on zero carbs. This so he was Dave eating 5,000 calories. Yes, Dave Feldman. Yep. And uh, he was eating 5,000 calories of meat a day and didn't gain weight. Mm. Mm. So I'm like, why not? Why not steak? I mean, the science back, you need less vitamins if you're eating zero carb, actually. You don't need as much vitamin C, among other things. Uh-huh. Um, right. So. Yeah. I, I, I always kind of figured there was something to that because uh, you know the I hear people talk about oh you need blueberries because of the antioxidants right and I I just I don't feel that oxidized why I <laughs> <laughs> I can't prove it but you know I just had a hunch that a lot of the the problems caused by high insulin and uh, and inflammation and carbohydrates fueling them they're not such problems so we don't have to take all these crazy vitamins well, when Donna asked me to do this, I wasn't nervous to do it at all because I have eaten zero carb before. Mm. I went seven months one time and um, had blood work done at the end of it, and I was just fine. Um, I did eat awful then, though. Yeah. So, Brenda, you were talking about uh, doing this challenge in February when we were in Breckenridge at the Low Carb Conference, right? Oh, yeah. I was gearing up for it. Yeah, and that was like going to be the next thing that you did is do this uh, challenge where you only ate steak. You and Donna only ate steak for for 30 days. Yep, we had agreed before we went to Breckenridge, so I was all ready to start the day we got back. I'd even started to stockpile steak in the freezer. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> mm-hmm. So, by every- the way, Brenda insisted it was after Breckenridge because all of oh, you yeah. fabulous cooks were going to be oh, there. Right. Just uh, FYI, yeah. there, were, there was no point in fasting or doing anything <laughs> at Breckenridge other than eating well, feasting, because yeah. just about everybody there was cooking and at the top of their game. And we had feasts with Gary and Belinda Fetke mm-hmm. and with Ivor Cummings and and yeah. Dave and Amber, and we had a great Megan time. Ramos. Megan Ramos and. Uh, all right, so everybody's dying to know what happened. <laughs> what happened with you, Donna? Oh, well, a lot of people in the forums flipped out to start off with. Remember that, Brenda? And some people were like, well, right. can I do this and steak? No, because it's steak. Well, that was funny. Oh. Right. They just didn't get that when we said steak only, only steak. They're like, well, what about spices? Well, what about salad? Well, what, you know, no, just steak. And so it got pretty funny. At one yeah. point I said, beef, steak, uncut. You know, not processed, not hamburger, not ground, beef, steak. But and you then we salt, decided right? on coffee so we wouldn't go insane. But you did use salt, right? Oh, of course. Salt's not a food. I mean, you know, it's a necessary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, that didn't count. But. So, people flipped out. What What happened after you got your results? I mean, weight is one thing, but I want to want to hear the, the bigger picture. What yeah, happened? Donna, did you get, you had lipids done before we started and after? Yeah, my I'm the weird cholesterol person. So uh, the lowest my total cholesterol is was 96. Hmm. Uh, that was three months ago. And so they actually, uh, before the challenge, it was 156. And then the month after it was 121 oh. total. Total cholesterol? Yeah, 121 total. I, uh, I don't remember the LDL. The triglycerides were eight. Okay. Jesus. What did your HDL do? Do you remember? <laughs> It's st- my HDL usually stays pretty stable. So okay. that, but but yeah, the triglycerides were eight ish ish. Yeah, no, it was eight. So I feel this is a good time to bring in Dave Feldman. He's here, and uh, he was advising you guys, I guess, and you were talking to him about your results. So Dave, hi. Hi. Uh, I should emphasize, I mainly was communicating with Brenda. I hadn't had a chance to yeah. review. <laughs> What Donna's saying right now, which is absolutely blowing me away. I can't even yep. imagine triglycerides at eight. I've I've never heard or seen that from anybody's labs that they've sent. Yeah, me. you guys are gonna have to uh, talk, huh, Dave? Is that a different Donna. scale? Yeah. Donna? Is that like a <laughs> is that metric <laughs> well, or something? So I, I'm a weird confound. One, I have genetically low cholesterol. Like my father's had four sextuple bypasses and his cholesterol's still low. Wow. Okay. Um, Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I genetically have also, I am, have had weight loss surgery. Right. You know, so that changes your metabolism. Um, mm. but you know, even, even when I was 750 pounds, though, I think the highest my triglycerides went were 40 something. I mean, doctors, I actually had one doctor. I weighed like 600 some pounds and they actually redid my labs because they didn't believe a fat person could have low cholesterol. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was eating crap at the time, sort of, by the way, you know, so. But yeah, no, I, I have a horrible schedule, so that's more my fault for not getting in touch with Dave. Yeah. I, I have the, I'm the problem child of the administrators. So. Well, and let me, let me correct everybody that you absolutely can be overweight and have perfect appearing cholesterol numbers and have heart attacks yeah. and strokes. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Without question. This is one of my biggest frustrations yeah. with how uh, cholesterol numbers are interpreted now is a lot of times doctors won't do any further testing to check for things uh, that are, in fact, of a cardiovascular risk because they're like, oh, your cholesterol is fine. And from medical school, I have the opinion that cholesterol is uh, the only thing that matters. So that looks good. Let's go ahead. But lipids are not static. I learned that from you, Dave. Yes, correct. Uh, I will want to mention that as part of – before you guys started – I was getting excited and jumping on the forum and going, you know, it'd be great is if you guys were doing blood testing throughout. And particularly Brenda and I kept doing it back and forth as to when the timing of it would be and so forth. Mm. I always feel like a kid asking for presents from Christmas. (laughs) Of course, I want to get as many from Santa as I can. My (laughs) presents are data, right? So I'm like, you know, it'd be great is if you could test three days after having started and then maybe two days after that, and then maybe a week after that, that would be a great data set. But hey, if if not that, at least three days in, and then maybe <laughs> a week later, something along those lines, eventually Brenda, because, you know, real life does happen to people that aren't Dave Feldman, was like, <laughs> I, I already have a lot going on, etc. I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and test at the end. Now, I want to put a pin in that. And the cost. I mean, come on, Dave, the cost. Oh, uh, true, I, true. Was, yeah, the cost. Beyond what I was ready to do. Wait, wait, before we hear you, Brenda... I want to know from Donna how much weight she lost. 
Oh, oh. So I actually, so this is the interesting thing, Carl. I only lost, I think, 5.5 pounds, but I lost four inches in my waist, which is a big deal because I have lipedema. Wow. So that's actually right. huge. Mm. Wow. Okay. So lipedema is a genetic fat disorder, and you typically don't lose weight in your waist and your hips. So I lost four wow, pounds nice. in thir- actually 34 days. I'm sorry. I lost four, four inches in my waist in the 5.5 pounds, rather. Wow. Okay. Brenda, your turn. Um, yeah. So the reason why I started talking to Dave is because I completely slipped out after uh, I had a lipid test done on my, I believe it was the 30th day of eating only steak. Before I started a regular diet again, I went in and had lipids done, and they did not come back in a way that I liked. Um, matter of fact, I got pretty upset mm. because if if anyone remembers my story, um, uh, having been type 2 diabetic, I had really, really high triglycerides back then. I was on a couple statins. They were 1,200. Wow. So when I get this test back after playing, basically, you know, this is like a, a game, a challenge, mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, and they and my, lipid, my triglycerides come back at 575. Whoa. And my HDL went down into a not healthy range of 35. Wow. Um, I was, uh, I was kind of unhappy about that. And I got a hold of Dave and said, help me. So what were your triglycerides before you started the, the steak only challenge? Well, my triglycerides had been pretty steady, right? You know, I have, I have a, the test laying on the desk right in front of me here. Um, around 120, right. 126 in my HDL, about 63. Right. Everything was in optimum range hmm. and has been for a long time. I've been ketogenic over three years. Um, but this steak challenge did something to me. Uh, something happened, and I got a hold of Dave, and Dave, right away, I love you, Dave, <laughs> called me down and said, remember, lipids are not static. It's going to get better. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, and and that was yeah. the, I mean, I didn't want to sugarcoat it, no pun intended, uh, uh, but the, yeah. <laughs> the lab was one that would normally concern me, at least as far as if this were a constant pattern you were at, it would be one that I would I would recommend against. So triglycerides being very right. high is typically a bad sign because it means that there's a lot of energy being parked in your bloodstream. And you don't want energy parked in your bloodstream. You want whether it's glucose or triglycerides, or even in my opinion, I know this may be a bit radical, even ketones, you want your cells to be uptaking that energy because that's why they were in the bloodstream in the first place. Yeah. Absolutely. They're being mobilized for energy, and your body does seem to be very good about keeping a certain amount out there. But that certain amount is almost certainly exceeded if you're up there at around like 575. That's just a high amount. No kidding. Yeah, yeah I was extremely unhappy. And and I was, I was somewhat dumbfounded. However, I don't – bear in mind that uh, everyone who's doing an all-meat diet, they are a tiny subset of an already tiny subset. So mm-hmm. there's virtually right. no research, which is why I'm I'm excited to start getting some of this lipid research out there uh, to start finding out. But to be fair, you guys also had one of the major confounder, which is uh, the coffee. Uh, I, at least in the amount of lipid data that I'm getting back and forth with different people, I find that some people are getting confounders by doing a fasting period coming up to a blood draw and then mistakenly having coffee the morning of when they're doing the blood draw. Oh. And uh, in fact, one person recently did bulletproof coffee on the morning of the blood draw. And I was like, ah, unfortunately, <laughs> this is likely a confounder to your lipid test. Yeah, not not for me, Dave. I didn't do any coffee. I hadn't had anything for at least 14 hours mm. before my test. Just to throw that in well, there. Of course, but... Only, only water. But in having coffee throughout, it's possible that that okay. could be a confounder. And it's... And I, I hear what you're saying. In order to do these kinds of experiments, you usually want to find something you know that's sustainable. Uh, but there's no getting around it. You've got to, you've got to be a good scientist and add up the variables. I'm not doing it again, Dave. I'm not going 30 days without well, coffee and eating only steak. I'm not doing it, man. <laughs> I, I, I do have an offer for you, Dave, and that is I actually uh, I will have to have surgery at the end of the year, which means I will have to give up coffee for at least six months. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you poor thing. And wow. I will be having my lipids drawn every month. Ah, that's great. Wow. Although, y- oh, there you go, I- I'm glad you're Follow so happy her. I'm having surgery, Dave, by the way. Thanks. that You're, you're <laughs> awesome. But um, uh, if you want, I would be happy to show you those tests because it'll be interesting to see what happens. He wants it. <laughs> I, I, I definitely want it. But, but yes, per what Brenda said, I said, look, 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 you've got to remember something. 
which is if there's anything my research is exposing, it's that these numbers are so not static. And it sucks because you usually get presented these numbers at the other, at the other end of a doctor <laughs> saying, this is horrible. You're in terrible shape. You need to go on a statin. You need to go on, you right. know, five different drugs, et cetera. Um, Dave, my doctor wanted to put me on a statin from this one test after the 30 day sick challenge. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Which is such a common theme. And a lot of times the moment they see something that's out of range, even if it's a single annual blood test, even if you are not on a low carb diet, you should know how much it's influenced by what you've eaten in just the last three days. Like, never mind even what the baselines are. 30 to 50% of your cholesterol score, my research is very, very clear on this. 30 to 50% of it is being determined on what you've eaten in the last three days. Yes. And it could be that there's a massive confounder, or for that matter, if you've done enormous amounts of fasting, I've already shown that the, the highest lipid scores that I've ever had was when I did a two and a half day fast, mm. as opposed to the normal 12 to 14 hours that you're recommended to doing. These kinds of things have huge, huge ramifications on your total lipid scores. So yes, I told Brenda right away, I said, look, you had a different score before you had this one. It suggests that it may have been further confounded by other possibilities. I was also surprised that the triglycerides were that high and Brenda couldn't visually see it. Because typically when you have that high triglycerides, there actually is a little more of a foaminess that um, can be visible within the, the uh, vial itself. I probably don't watch the blood come out as closely as you do, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I think I turn my head, but yeah. But we're that's what you're saying. And I've seen that before in the past. When it was 1,200, listen, Dave, back when I was really sick and it was 1,200, I'll never forget this. The, uh, the lab tech, after she spun it, actually came out of the lab with the tube with big eyes and said, I can't believe this. Look at this. Well, this is years ago before I even understood any of this, but let me tell you that test tube was like half full of fat. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, it, yeah, I didn't know what it meant then. Now I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. But, mm. you know. So anyway, Dave called me down. He said, don't worry, it's going to get better. So we started testing, didn't we, Dave? Yes, we did. And, and in fact, uh, I wanted you to be able to get a test uh, as soon as three days after because – we could still preserve what was happening with the database, huh? but timing-wise, it ended up working out best for you to do it uh, for nine days later. Uh, if or, or was it? Did you end up doing the private lab? When did you when did you end up doing? I that? ended up doing the private lab, and I made my clinic retest because at that point I was still in <laughs> shock and not believing, not even believing that their their results were correct. So I made my clinic do it again, and they did. They didn't charge me, <laughs> and um and then at the same time I got in the hold of Dave, and Dave uh. uh set me up with a private lab, which I paid to have two lipid tests done. <laughs> so I did three tests in one day, Dave, and nine days later after the 30th day of steak. So, guys, how many grams of protein do you reckon you ate every day? I uh, My average protein was actually 85 grams a day. The lowest day was 45 grams, and the highest day was 120 grams. Huh. And that was just a totality? That was the, yeah. And plenty of fat, I take it. I actually don't record my fat. I don't even worry about it. Yeah. No. Uh, but, but so the fat, so that in my case, the fat was lower than I usually eat because I bought things on sale. So mm. a lot of it was actually ended up being sirloin. Mm. Uh, so it was half ribeye, half sirloin. Okay. So there's a good chance it was 50 50 protein fat. I Ish. Mean- yeah. yeah. That's, uh, you know, I. I, I'm like the worst keto dieter ever or lifestyle person. 450 pounds, Donna? Come on. You're the I best know, keto dieter ever. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, and, and almost all of that yeah. was without surgery. So, uh, But yeah, no, I uh, I always eat to satiety and I always, uh, I have to eat more frequently though sometimes because, you know, I have a tiny little stomach. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, the one day with 40 grams, I just wasn't hungry. I'm like, eh. Hmm. But I mean, if you think about it, though, how many, how much proteins in a, a pe- like most people will eat on a keto diet, right? A 10 to 16 ounce steak. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so this is when people flip out. You can't get your protein in for IF. And I'm like, seriously, just eat a freaking <laughs> steak because that, uh, well, seriously. Eat a lean steak. Yeah. Well, so an ounce of meat has how many grams of protein, right? Math, right? Like what? Eight? It's eight, right? Richard, come on, Richard. You're killing I, me, Richard. I, it's like eight, right? You're talking about Something imperial like measurements. Grams of protein. Bloody Australians. It's like, it's like seven or eight grams of protein <laughs> yeah. an ounce. Yeah, what's an ounce? Well, that, think about it. So seven or eight grams of protein an ounce, right? So one steak, you're pretty much at your daily requirements. Yeah. 
if you think about it. By the way, I'm one of those guys who will eat a 12-ounce steak and want another one. Like, I absolutely love meat. Mm. It's it's why the zero-carb diet kind of appeals to me because I'd like, you know, if there was any single thing that I could spend all my time eating, it's meat, for sure. Oh, those ribeyes in Brackenridge. Oh. I, you guys, I was buying whole primals untrimmed when I, during the steak challenge. So, I was probably eating, oh, at, there was a couple days where I ate 24 ounces Maybe, wait, I think it was the day I ate over 30 of ribeye. And then finally, after I settled down into eating steak only, I think I was only eating a pound a day. But I was eating extremely fatty uh, ribeyes uh, that I, I ordered from the butcher on trim. He would watch for primals to come in that were especially fatty and then just slice them up for me and give me a call. Nice. <laughs> so 12 ounces is about 340 grams of uh, steak. And uh, protein in steak is about 25%. It's about 50% water, 25% protein, 25% fat. And that's um, a ribeye, so, right? Well, this is Dave's 12-ounce steak. But what? which cut, though? I would usually get a, a ribeye, uh, but sometimes my wife likes New York strip, which I know is not as fatty, but, mm. you know, I'd get it with her. Uh, it can be. Oh, my gosh, people need to go on that uh, 30-day steak challenge thread yeah. on the forum yeah. and look at the photos yeah, of my yeah, steaks, yeah. okay? Talk about food porn. <laughs> Here's kind of the big question for me is you were kind of touching on this earlier. If you're not having organ meat, then you're not, you're not necessarily hitting what they would call nose to tail, whereas right. it is possible that there is some kind of nutritional deficiency that's introduced if you're having only one type of meat that's um, on the animal. That's what I think steak. would be argued. And what I'm curious about, if that indeed had some impact on the lipid testing, or for that matter, anything else that might also be off in ranges. Mm. That could have, yeah, that could have drove my triglycerides up. That and um, Donna said that if you lose a significant amount of fat, uh, that that can also drive them up. She's familiar with that with the bariatric uh community but uh because i lost 10 pounds in those 30 days nice. yeah we see it all the time in post-op patients their triglycerides and actually their liver enzymes shoot up because when you're on a lower so okay i i hate this but because you're eating less uh is the rationale they give for the liver enzymes going up but you're on a strict ketogenic diet basically um and you lose the first month of surgery most people lose between 15 and 30 pounds and so they're all of their lipid panels are wonky. Like you're not yeah. supposed, they actually say don't trust your lipid panels until you're six months out huh. because lipids will just, like I've seen people with triglycerides of 500 after surgery. That, that's the general advice when you're losing weight anyway. Uh, you know, yeah. Your lipids are going to derange slightly as you, as you're moving energy from fat stores to, uh, to cells to be used. So Brenda, your, your triglycerides did come back down, right? Did they return to normal? Yes, sir. They absolutely did. I, again, Dave, I love you, man. Uh, he he uh, he said, just watch. It's going to get better. Um, the first, let's see, the first test, the 30th day was 575 trigs, HDL 35. Nine days later, at that same clinic, uh, triglycerides were 187. Wow. Uh, HDL was 43. And then I also did a test after 30 days, and you're going to love this one. You, are you ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 32 days after stopping the 30-day steak challenge, my triglycerides were, you sitting down? Yeah. Nine, 90. Oh, yeah. And my, my HDL was 55. Now, I imagine if I go now, my HDL will be back up in the 60s like it usually is. So. Yeah. Well done. So, well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm fine. I'm just, I don't think it's a good idea personally right. for myself to eat only one type of fat maybe for 30 days. I don't know. Mm. But... I'm thinking maybe that's what me and Dave were talking about. Maybe it was because it was the same type of fat. Well, bear in mind, there, me. I, I'm, you know, me being the scientist, I'm adding up all the different possible things that are different about right. you compared to others. It's not just that, and it's not just the coffee. You were also eating once per day. Yep. It's possible, although I don't know how likely this would be, but it's possible that also was a confounder. Um, but the mm. thing that I cared about the most, even more than triglycerides, and, and I say this to most people, I care about HDL the most. I want yeah. HDL to be high. And when HDL is low, it usually to me says, says and, and I'm not going to get into the sciencey stuff, but it usually means that it's busy. <laughs> and you don't want your HDL to be busy. You want them to be free. 
and not actively involved in things like reverse cholesterol transport and so forth. Uh, so mm-hmm. with, with higher HDL, I usually see more positive outcomes. Though there's a lot of equations out there on HDL to triglycerides, HDL to total cholesterol, but the bottom line is you just want high HDL. And that's, that's something that, of course, you get with a low carb diet typically. Right. There is one more thing. Um, when I was in the middle of eating just steak for 30 days, I also contacted Dave and, or maybe he, he asked me, Hey, are you checking your, your blood glucose? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, after a large meat meal. Do you remember that day? Um, and he told me to check every, every 30 minutes for two hours. Is that it? Or three hours? Anyway, um, I did what you said, Dave. And, uh, a couple times, I probably did it three times during the steak challenge to see if I had a blood glucose spike or an insulin drop. And I had neither. I was actually kind of a big meat eater. And I've wondered about this before being, you know, type two, if, uh, the fact that I eat a lot of meat might, you know, cause problems for me. And I'm just one of those people where it doesn't seem to affect me that way. So that would have made sense why my triglyceride shot up if I was eating so much meat, but that was not the case with me, apparently. Hmm. Uh, we don't think that that was the reason at all because I didn't have, you know, blood glucose shooting up or anything. With all the it may yeah. not necessarily be uh, be glucose turning into triglycerides that are being you know thrown into your circulation. It, it may actually be that, that your uh, body fat is releasing more energy. It, it's making its way through the body, and it's, some of it's being used up, and some of it isn't. Makes its way back to the liver, and it's repackaging back into LDL to send out. And so, it could be that you just Maybe maybe your insulin came down low enough that all of a sudden you you were you were basically releasing a lot of energy from your body fat. So there's a lot of reasons this could have happened, isn't there? Right. There's a lot of different factors involved. Mm. I, I'm more of the mind like given everything we know at this point, I'm more of the mind if I were to pick anything, that it's likely the loss of weight that you're having. Losing ten pounds in thirty days. I know I know in the low carb community, people are so used to these extraordinarily <laughs> massive numbers now, but losing 10 pounds right. in 30 days is a lot of weight to lose in a short amount of time. Uh, it's, I don't know though, because I mean, she lost a lot of weight, um, early, like everybody else did on the ketogenic diet. I, I mean, we're guessing no, here, of right? Course, but my, but it, my personal guess, my personal guess is something along the lines of a deficiency. And you know, because you're not yeah. you're not getting the vitamins from offal or liver or anything like that, that there might be something well, to that. One, I, I just know that I'm not gonna do this again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I don't think I, yeah. it's a, probably a really good idea for me, but you know, um zero carb fine. I'll eat offal. I love eating all those organ meats and that's fine. Uh-huh. I I'll do that. I'm not afraid to do that, but eating only beefsteak, no. <sighs> I'm not going to do that again. My body said, uh-uh. I could always try it because Brenda and I have uh, uh, similar metabolic derangements. Oh, you do it. Yeah, Richard. So We're totally right. metabolic twins. Why do not? It, Richard. Do it. Yeah. Go, 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 go. <laughs> not go, today. Go, go. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but let's well, just fit in Dave's one request. If any listeners listening to this and they're considering doing it, or if Richard, <laughs> you're going to do it. The reason I want the reason I wanted to put a pin in that prior request is if you get the lipid testing shortly after you start, you can at least start seeing trends. And we would have had that in this case, sure. right? Is I, mm-hmm. I know it was, you know, time and money and so forth, but let's say that you had gotten the test, you know, three days later and then a week later, we could have seen if in fact this was something that was developing over time. And yeah. it would have actually probably answered this question on the weight loss versus the nutrition deficiency because if it was weight right. loss, we probably would have right. seen a more consistent um, line throughout. Whereas if it was a nutrition deficiency, it probably would have been more of a curve. Probably. Yeah. So next time, Brenda, I'd liverwurst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. A beef heart or something. A beef oh heart. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of nutritional deficiency, I know Gabor Adosi tells us a lot about uh, methionine glycine balance. And methionine and glycine are two amino acids that we get from protein. And uh, glycine is common in connective tissue, uh, so offal and skin and uh, bones even. Uh, gelatin is uh, high in glycine. And then on the other side, your muscle meats are uh, very high in methionine. And uh, there is science that shows that methionine poisoning hap- does happen when you don't have enough glycine. So if you have huh. predominantly muscle oh. meat, for too long and you don't have a lot of the connective tissue, 
Um, maybe you just need must. Maybe you just need steaks with a lot of gristle in them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, that's uh, uh, or pork rinds. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, crumb right. them in pork rinds. But uh, so that's one possibility for the so the, the amount of the, the fat that was on those steaks. It, 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 that's just not going to be connective tissue. You're you you mean like actual skin and yeah. well yeah, if yeah. it was gristle Collagen. yeah that's Collagen, true. Really. These, didn't, these steaks didn't have that. Chicken wings. Chicken wing challenge. That's the next one. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that. Oh, oh I can so do that. I will do that. <laughs> what have I done, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> Dave, uh, yeah, Dave, I'll record the proper data this time, I promise. Oh, right. fantastic. Guys, that's about all the time we have. Thank you very much for sharing your findings. And, Brenda, it's very brave of you to come out and say your trigs shot up. And uh, I'm glad it's all back to normal. Oh, they're static. They're static, Carl. So yeah. I'm not worried about it anymore. I love you, Dave. And Donna, hey, thanks for uh, doing this challenge. That's just, it's, I love a challenge. Well, this is what happens when it's 2 a.m. and we talk about things. <laughs> well, you realize Brenda's now moved on to lifting weight as a challenge. She's up to like oh 680 pounds. <laughs> yeah, Brenda, what was that all about? The free weight leg press. I don't know. Uh, I'm freaked out myself. I just kept adding weight, and I'm still able to do it. And I had a few people ask me, yeah, but are you doing a full lift? <laughs> or are you just, you know, moving the, the sled a few? No, I'm doing a full, full lift. lift, people, okay? I don't know why I'm so strong. Um, I, But I have, you know, kind of worked on this for a couple years, and I just moved over to the free weight area, and I'm having the trainer show me how to do it properly, but... I don't know. I lifted 680 pounds last week. Wow. You realize so, that you could probably yeah, lift. 10 times. And then all the other weightlifting I do that same morning with it. You realize you could probably lift oh, two keto dudes and a Dave Feldman. I mean, the three of us are <laughs> <laughs> probably, oh, our combined weight is probably wow. under 680 pounds. That's, I think that's probably right. No, that's right. what Daisy was saying, that I should put a bunch of guys on a sled and, and, and lift them. I'm up for I'll it. I'll totally do it. <laughs> it's hey, so awesome. Hey, Richard, we need to find a gym out there at Keto Fest, and we're, we'll, we'll see what you and I can do, huh? Yeah, it's a game. There's a CrossFit right up on Coleman Street. I think Street. that would be a viral video if we could get that to happen. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say us. that should be a YouTube video. Yeah. Yeah. I'm All not right. competing with you, Richard. I'm just... Uh, yes, you are. Fun. Yes, you are. <laughs> Don't say that in front of the All therapist. Right, You're obviously competing, Brenda. Oh, oh, it's just fun. All right, ladies. Thanks again. Thank you, We'll Carl. see you next time. Thank, thank you, Carl. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. I don't know if I could eat just steak for 30 days. <laughs> That's quite an effort, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I did have to be a lot of fat. Yeah. Well, anyway. It's a very simple recipe, though. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. Speaking of which, it's time for recipes. 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 All right, I'm going to go first, and I'm, I'm cheating a little today. <laughs> it's not my recipe, but it is food, and it will change your life. This week, Julie Fox McClure from Fox Hill Kitchens came down to my house. She drove down from Vermont and brought with her a bunch of her bread, which she makes and sells um, with a little group up in Vermont. And this bread was unlike any other low-carb, gluten-free, paleo, whatever bread I've ever had. The, the ingredients are almond flour, coconut flour, and psyllium husk. Those are the main, you know, bulk parts of it. There's a little apple cider vinegar, there's baking powder and salt, and the, the key ingredient that makes it bready, yeast. Right. Well, that makes sense because yeast is going to eat any of the sugars in the almond flour and the coconut flour and turn those into carbon dioxide bubbles. That's exactly and what happens. And she, was, she said she was shocked when she put all this stuff together without adding sugar like the typical yeast preparation. She just took yeah. packaged dry yeast, not the instant stuff, but dry yeast, and let it sit. And guess what? It rose like bread. Nice. And then I guess baking powder and apple cider vinegar is going to turn it to a volcano, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some so, science experiment. <laughs> right. So she brought bagels and buns and even the, the holes of the bagel, the little munchkin-like yeah, yeah. things. Yeah. So she made us grilled cheese sandwiches and I've been eating the bagels like every day. And I tested my blood sugar. Um, right. Yesterday, when I started eating, my blood sugar was, you know, under 100. It was like 90, 98 or something like that. And mm. I, I had a 
bagel with cream cheese, toasted, of course, and it's an everything bagel, and it tastes just like a bagel. It's like unbelievable. Nice. And then I had another one with a couple of eggs, fried in bacon fat with bacon and cheddar cheese and butter. And, you know, half an hour later, my sugar went down. What's wow. crazy? It's crazy. Yeah. And and again, I, I'm only saying this, and, and they're going to advertise on the show. Obviously, this is good stuff. They're going to be at Keto Fest serving grilled cheese sandwiches on Science Sunday. Nice. Foxhillkitchens.com is the, uh, is the URL. And interestingly, Jimmy Moore uh, introduced us. She wanted to, she asked Jimmy, you know, I've been trying to get in touch with the Keto Fest guys, and he put us in touch. So thank you, Jimmy, for that. Thank you, Jimmy. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's my quote unquote recipe. I know it's yeah. a little cop out, but uh, it changed my life, and and hopefully uh, it'll change yours too. And she's happy to share the ingredients. So you know, if you really want, if you live in another country and you can't get them shipped to you, try it. Um, you could try making it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. What you got? That. So I've got a recipe. I'm going to cheat a little bit uh, and use one of Fiorella's recipes, which is no, no it's problem. Be- it's become a common thing because she really. <laughs> explains well how to do what she does. I love her recipe. So this recipe is actually battered fish with tartar sauce. Ooh. We've actually spoken about tartar sauce before, one yep. of your recipes. Yep, yep. Um, and I remember that uh, Brenda used to talk a lot about doing battered fish with pork rinds and she uses um, she uses an egg and mayonnaise and mix basically mix whisks an egg until it's light and fluffy and then folds in mayonnaise and then uses that for the dredge. So she dredges the fish in that and then puts it in the uh, crushed pork rinds. Wow. And I've made that before and that's actually – that's a really good breading recipe. It it, it ends up being like – you know fish fingers? You know the the, the – uh, f- fish fingers with the with the sure. corn breading on the outside. Yeah, yeah. It's just like that. It's absolutely delicious. You know, it's funny you say that because my daughter, Nak, Nikisha, she yeah. has done the um, breading of chicken strips. And she did right. it with an egg wash and doubled, doubled it. So egg wash, pork rind, Parmesan mix, then back in the egg yep. wash, then back in the pork rind, Parmesan mix. So and and fried it, and they turned out to be better than anything that she's ever had before. So, wow. y- you know, you guys are onto something here. Yeah, I, I definitely like pork rinds, but uh, Fiorella's recipe is even better. Uh, it, it takes a little bit of an effort, but basically what she does is she takes two eggs and she separates them. So she has the yolks on one side and the whites on the other, and she whisks the whites up uh, to basically uh, light and fluffy egg right, whites. Right. Now, I have a trick when I whisk up egg, egg whites. I put a little pinch of cream of tartar in, yeah. and that helps egg whites to hold their form. Yep. So now she, what she does is she takes the egg yolks and she adds uh, a little bit of almond flour to them, mm-hmm. adds a little bit of almond flour to them, and then she whisks those up uh, so it's basically uh, with a little bit of salt and pepper and mm-hmm. some almond, uh, the eggs and the almond, the egg yolks and the almond flour. Okay. And then folds that mixed egg yolk mixture in with the egg whites yeah. until she ends up with basically a batter. Right. And then she uh, gets a pan going with some tallow in it mm-hmm. and uh, takes the fish and dredges the fish in uh, that batter and then puts the fish in on a plate containing just almond flour. So she's ba- the breading really is almond I see. Flour mixture, but the uh, the dredging mixture is just egg. Wow! And uh, and then and because it's 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 been folded together with whisked egg whites, it's very light and fluffy. It's almost yeah. like a tempura kind of batter. Right. I mean, you could also use. I guess you could use soda water. That's another common thing to to make a light and fluffy batter. But right. but th- I reckon this would work even better. And so she's got the recipe and she shows how. Uh, she uh, cooks these, and we'll put the link into the show notes. Um, I'm not going to go through the uh, details of how to make uh, tartar sauce, but uh, Fiorella mm. includes that. But basically, it's just what we spoke of the other day, capers, gherkins, and mayonnaise um, in the right proportions. And these look, let me tell you, these look really good. Yeah, I'm going to post in that forum thread uh, my uh, fish that I made using Brenda's recipes, so you've got both to compare. But I'm definitely this method of Fiorella's looks awesome. Awesome, that's great, man. So that's the show, Richard. 
Of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by emails to dudes at 2ketodudes.com or post it on our website. While you're at it, register for KetoFest at KetoFest.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at 2KetoDudes, on Instagram at 2KetoDudes, and make sure to use the hashtag 2KetoDudes. And that's the number two. K-E-T-O-D-U-D-E-S. And of course, if you want to join our forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And if useless swag is your fancy, you know, t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other junk with witty keto sayings on them, head over to gear.2keto.com. And now you can join the 2 Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.2keto.com. And if you feel like supporting our podcast and our forums, hit the donate button on our website at www.2ketodudes.com or just go to donate.2keto.com. You can also see our podcast and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, go leave us a great review on iTunes. Yeah. Okay. Keep calm and keto on, my friend. Keep calm and keto on, Carl. All right. We'll see you next time on 2 Keto Dudes. Dudes.